Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Brendan Escott here today on Oilers Now. Here all week as a matter of fact. Hour 2, brought to you by Digitex. PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software. Now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at digitex.ca. You can keep in touch on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. And of course, send the text to 630-630 on the Heartland Ford text line. If you think all dealerships are the same, think again. Experience buying a vehicle on your terms with no pressure at Heartland Ford. Mark Spector in studio with me, brought to you every Tuesday by the horses. Horse Racing Alberta, who remind you, the province of Alberta was built on the back of a horse. Spec, we have talked uh, about some free agent options for the Oilers. Hank in St. Albert says, Brendan, do a little bit of research. Broussard has fallen off a cliff completely and is only getting older. I've got no interest in him for a third-line center. Well, isn't that why the price tag has come down? Because his production has, too? I don't mind him at all as a third-line center. Well, there's a... There's a you know, this is why you have you hire good scouts. Has his production gone down because there's some reason that he can't play anymore? I need to know that. If there's a guy that f- circumstances are such that you can get him cheap, but he's going to bounce back, that's the guy you want. So I haven't watched him closely enough to know the answer. I'd have to make my own phone calls, but that's why you pay good scouts, Brendan. Absolutely. Um, let's talk Jason Zucker just for a moment because he's come in a couple times across the the text line. He's a winger out of uh, the Minnesota Wild right now. Good Uh, finisher. He's got the talent for sure and perhaps hasn't lived up to what he's fully capable of doing to this point in his career, um, some might say. But what do you think about him as a fit here? Well, I I think he'd be an awesome fit. I I haven't even looked at his uh, cap hit. He's a four or five million dollar guy, is he not? We can dig that up. You look that up while I'm yapping, but... uh, I can say this to you. He, I've always found him to be a fairly effective goal scorer. Uh, you know, he's a finisher, right, in uh, Minnesota. But you have to remember that if you get that guy and you put him next to the two center ice when they have going here, uh, the chances are he's, his finishing will go up. What's he, what did he make last year? He is five and a half through the end of 2022-23 with yeah. a modified no-movement clause. If I could afford that player under the cap, and as the Oilers' cap is today, they cannot, in my opinion. If I could afford that player, I'd take a long look at acquiring him, but 
you know, he's not a guy that you can send them a bad contract for. They like Zucker in Minnesota, I believe. They should like him. Uh, I don't, you know, it's, it's a tough trade to pull off when you're the Oilers because you're cap challenged, but I would uh, entertain it if possible, certainly. So Ken Holland uh, was introduced last week, week before. Time's flying by here. Regardless, he has not had much time uh, at the helm of the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, since his first couple of media appearances, all is quiet. He's just getting the feel for who he's working with, uh, who he wants to continue working with. Is that a safe assumption? Yes. Yes, absolutely. He's a real kind of consensus building guy. He almost thinks out loud when you're talking to him. You know, well, I'd like to try to do this, but I might do that. You know, he's not a guy that, how would I say, he's happy to share what kind of, as the wheels are turning, he's talking to you and he doesn't have an answer always at the end yet. You think he'll get there. But I know that in terms of hiring a coach, he wants to hire a coach because before he starts moving players, he wants that coach's opinion on those players. I know he's leaning on Ken Hitchcock a ton right now. What do you think about that? Well, because who would know the... You know, you can't lean on Todd McClellan as much. I mean, I'm sure he's... I know that he spoke to Todd before he took the job here. And he could phone Todd about a player. I'll bet she does. Because Todd knows these players very well. And Hitch knows these players very well. So I think you should lean on those guys for their opinions. It almost seems like we're kind of stuck in purgatory while... Holland makes these evaluations on people and that's in all likelihood, like you said, because he's not going to decide anything until he knows who the coach is. And he just spent uh, the last while down in Bakersfield watching the Condors. Did you see him while he was down there? Oh, was yeah. That, yeah, 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 for sure. Had a nice long sit down with him, a Q&A the first day I was there. And, you know, he was around, always a phone in his ear. He's a pretty busy cat right now. A good thing that he's keeping his coaching options sort of to a limited list and and do we know any more outside of of the Todd Nelson rumors as to who may be some of the candidates? No, I do not. I can't say that I've been able to unearth any new names on top of Tippett and um, Nelson and, you know, the the few names that have been kind of floating around. We're starting to hear Ralph Kruger to Buffalo, which I think is interesting. Because uh, Ralph, remember, Ralph said that he didn't want to come back as a head coach. Right. He wanted to come back as, as a sort of a president leadership role like he had in Southampton. Um, so that was interesting. But, you know, he shouldn't, Ken Holland shouldn't have to interview eight people. He's, he knows the guys he wants. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows, I don't think, if you're prepared, do you, you know, I get it how Bob Nicholson talked to lots of people around hockey to try to, you know, expand his knowledge of what the exterior viewpoint of was of Edmonton. What do you think? What's our problem here? What would you fix if you, I get all that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's different for Ken Holland. He doesn't need to talk to 12 coaches here. He knows what he's doing. He knows the guys he wants. I would think he'd interview three or four guys and find his person. Do you get the impression that there's any internal candidates for that? Are we going to see Glenn Gullitson get a look here, or are they happy in the roles? Know. You know what? I don't say, know that. Right? I don't know that. I mean, I th- hope. I think Glenn Gullitson would hope. There's another coach that knows a lot about these players. He's been here through both regimes, right? Mm-hmm. And Glenn Gullitson, uh, you know, he's a very, very smart guy. I would want to talk to him about some players here for sure. So for those fans looking for any sort of clarity on this, I guess the one thing that we can say for sure, and there isn't much of that right now, is that Todd Nelson is not being interviewed by Ottawa. I don't believe he's been interviewed by Buffalo, so you can take that as, you know, maybe he does have his sights set on this, or maybe he's happy in Dallas. It's, kinda, it's one of the two. 
Well, listen, he's, he'll be happier in Edmonton as a head coach. I'm assuming, assuming that he's willing to come back here and do this. Uh, it's, you know, the regime that overlooked him for the full-time head coaching job and let him go a few years ago, they're not running it anymore. And in fact, the man who hired him the next week was Ken Holland in Detroit. So I can't see why, why uh, Nelson wouldn't come back here as a head coach. Uh, and I guarantee you he'd rather be a head coach here than a, I would think he would than an assistant coach in Dallas, wouldn't you? Oh, well, Dallas for, is if, awesome. If for no other reason than the paycheck, probably. Yeah, right. No, for sure. <laughs> he, <laughs> Which I don't imagine would be the deciding He wants factor. to be an NHL head coach, and if yeah. this is different. Last time he was here, it was an interim thing. No one knew or really probably thought he'd get the job. Uh, you come in here now, you come in here with a three-, four-year contract, and you're the man. In... Uh where are we going to take this next? I just completely derailed my train of thought, to be honest with you. Um, oh, we had a texter yesterday. We had a texter yesterday, and he was asking about whether it's a big deal or not that that Nelson, if he is the, the lead candidate, has never coached a superstar per se. And I, I didn't really put much stock into that. I think, if anything, coaching Leon and Connor is probably easier on you than trying to figure out how to, quote, unquote, manage superstars. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that Right, the superstar makes you better coach for one, uh, and let's you know let's expound upon that. How many guys are there who have coached quote unquote superstars out there that are ready to, you know, that are available at this point to this juncture to hire? I mean, it's not a lot of guys. Quenville coached Chicago; he's working. You know, whoever coached Crosby, <laughs> right? Keep going. Like, how many are there? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I would think that an aging superstar who's very needy, that's different. That does not define Connor McDavid or Neon Dysaddle. So I can't see. Like I say, I think it makes you a better coach having those guys, not a, not a more difficult job. Brendan Escott, Mark Spector here today on Oilers Now. Spector brought to you every Tuesday by the horses, Horse Racing Alberta. Do you think because they went in more of an, if you want to call it an old school direction, they took the uh, the seasoned veteran of a general manager, mm-hmm. does that put any more emphasis on getting a, maybe a forward-thinking head coach, or do you not put any stock into that? Okay, define forward-thinking head coach. Uh, somebody, well, you know, a Hitch is up there in age. I think uh, yeah. we can agree that some of his tactics are... are He's old an school. older school coach, Absolutely. sure. So when you get a younger body in there, I look at a Bruce Cassidy, for example, or okay. a Jim Montgomery, somebody along those lines that have seemed to have found success in the modern NHL, if you will. Is that more of a priority for the Oilers now? Well, I, you know, uh, no one wants yesterday's head coach. You know, I think that one of the, we would look at, at Shirelli's work and say that, you know, it's fair to say that part of some of the, his ideas were uh, from yesterday's GM. He didn't embrace the new NHL quick enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I don't care what the guy's age is. If I'm Dave Tippett and I've been around for a while, that doesn't mean that I'm the same coach today that I was, you know, in 2006. Right. I can't be. You know, that's that's. You know, what I want is a guy that's shown the ability to who has experience. He's seen a lot of things. He knows how to solve a lot of different problems through experience. But he's also been smart enough to keep his tactics up to the modern game you can't don't tell me you're coaching today the way you coached 10 years ago no chance right the game's changed too much and that I think reigns true for Ken Holland as a GM because there oh, was some sure. questions about whether he was going to you know end up in in the salary cap trouble here that he yeah. was in Detroit and, and it's pretty easy when you break down you don't just have that kind of run of success without having to mortgage the future at some point and well it happens that, 
I think what people, and uh, this is going to come across as me making excuses for Ken Holland, but when you look at the situation in Detroit, they were at the end of their run. They were running out of players mm-hmm. just because 25 years in the playoffs. It's just going to happen. The talent level was decreasing. Yet he had a ton of pressure from ownership to, A, the 25-year streak was coming to an end. They didn't want it to end. And, B, they're opening a new building there, right? Right around the same time. Yeah, that's a tough... Ownership in every sport and every team wants playoff dates in their new building. I don't care who you are. So there was a lot of pressure. I would equate it to, look at Jimmy Benning in Vancouver. The Aquilinis came out and said, hey, we got to make the playoffs. And all of us here in Edmonton and the rest of the league looked at their roster and said, you got to what? <laughs> you got to make the playoffs. You guys aren't even close. But Benning had to go out and do some things because he does have a boss. You know, and I would say that, yeah, Holland made a couple mistakes. He signed a couple guys maybe he shouldn't have. Sure. But there was a ton of pressure there to keep a, a, a out-of-gas car running down the highway. And you can see what the result was. Even a good general manager can't do that. Let's let's uh, park this here with one more piece of, uh, of speculation, if you will. Any word on anything from Connor McDavid? Has Ken Holland been in touch? I know last we, we heard he had not spoken to any members of, uh, of the players group. Do we know if that's changed? Can we say if that's changed? No, the only uh, the only report I heard was and I was again, I was sort of immersed in the minors there. Uh, I believe Ryan Rashog reached out probably to the agent Jeff Jackson and uh, sort of got the McDavid quote unquote McDavid camp seal of approval on the hiring <laughs> uh, but I have not heard Certainly, McDavid has not spoken, and uh, I listen. The Connor McDavid that I know, he's coming on, on he's on board, he's ready to do what it takes to make this thing better. You know, they could give him two third line wingers next year, if he and and tell him this is what this team needs for us to go have success, and he would keep his mouth shut and wouldn't say anything about it. I'm not saying he'd love it, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. We know who he is. Yeah. Connor McDavid is not a guy that's going to come out from his place in Toronto and say, "I hate this hire." It's not going to happen, <laughs> and and nor would he. Well, why would you not like this hire? You got a smart guy. The team's got some plans. Let's go here. 118 at Edmonton. Mark Spector, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. We'll uh, talk NHL playoffs when we come back. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brendan Escott in today. Mark Spector as well for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. New Century Mile Racetrack opened down in Nisku. Only so much to say about the Oilers right now, because frankly, there's not a lot of news breaking. But elsewhere across the hockey world, uh, we look at the playoffs, the conference finals. Carolina-Boston tonight. Carolina gets the hometown boost, and they'd better hope that they do, because it's been uh, not a good start to this series for Carolina. And I I mentioned this off the top of the show, Spec, but to have Rod Brendamore come out and say that his team might have hit the mental wall, that doesn't sound particularly encouraging. Well, it doesn't, but I want to say to you, Brendan, that there every team hits several mental walls in the playoffs. It's not that you hit them, everyone's going to hit them. It's that a veteran team like Boston says, okay, you know what, we had a bad game, we kind of hit the wall here, We they refocus and get after it and get over that wall because they've done it so many times. Carolina has not. Most of those players, Justin Williams obviously has played a lot, but they've got a lot of guys 
this is the first mental wall they've ever hit. <laughs> and it probably took a couple games to figure out what's going on here. So that's the experience, right? That's the difference. I think what we're seeing right now across the NHL, number one, is that uh, it came out today that there's not a single player on any of the final four teams that makes more than $8 million a it's year. It's interesting. Yeah, so Pierre you, Lebrun was, uh, was uh, tweeting that. You can get it done without superstars, but I think that also gives you a more balanced roster when you're not... Well, the question to me isn't can you get it done without superstars. It's, it's do superstars and not superstars, but superstar salaries impede you getting it done? It's a good question. You know, I don't... I'm going to say that that you, in no world can you tell me that having McDavid and Drysaddle on your team is bad, <laughs> or that uh oh I got to pay McDavid twelve eleven and a half million. Um, I guess I have to trade him. <laughs> like, come on, right? That yeah. there's no sense in any of that. Oh, Drysaddle's up. He's going to cost me eight and a half. I guess we better move him at twenty one. Like, there's no way that that makes sense either. So. I, you know what? It's an interesting year. I guess it's sample size. Show me three or four final fours in a row where there's no $10 million players, and then we can talk. Debate in the regular season was, do you need size or do you need speed in the NHL? Obviously, right. we've seen a lot of teams get it done with the speed. We've we've had a situation here in Edmonton where speed was an issue, and I think that's why a lot of fans in this market are are crying to get away from this heavy hockey that Peter Shirelli built, but there's something to be said for having that grit and having that size, and I think Boston exemplifies that very much. In St. Louis, you can make a case for them, oh, too. For sure, and how about Washington win the Cup last year? Big, strong team. It's almost two seasons. It's almost, you know, you got to get there. Like, I want to take it this way. We complain about refereeing in the playoffs all the time, and I get it, but in no other sport... Are, is, are they calling a completely different game than they were calling in the regular season? Everything changes. Mm-hmm. Guys play way harder, way more often for way more shifts in a row. No one takes a shift off. Everything is, you know, they finish checks in, in April and May that they never finished in November and December. So you, you can't have two teams. You only get one. But the trick is to have a good enough team that can get you the playoffs and then a team that's big and strong enough to get you through the playoffs. That's the rub, right? Zach Cassian to me is a modern NHL playoff player. I think he is probably the best example of that that the Oilers have right now. Chase on's one of those guys. Yeah, big six foot four frame there. And then you look at probably one of those guys. Maybe plays a rough, hard game. He does, yeah. Well, he almost uh, quietly leads or is up in the top five in the league and hits every, every year. year. Yeah. yeah, Every year. And so, there's yeah. an ever-diminishing stat. We used to think a lot about that stat. I think we we start to go, uh, whatever, a little bit on hits. Don't they say when you're always hitting it's because you don't have the puck? I mean, I'm not sure that's always <laughs> the case, but... Um, well, it's interesting. I've talked to, uh, well, Jeff Wojewitka coaches the Junior A team in Sherwood Park, who's yeah. the assistant coach, and handles the defense. And I asked him, why do you not put any focus on finishing checks? He said, because it pulls you out of position. That's right. basically plain and simple. So that's at the grassroots level what they're telling right. them. So by the time they're up top, yeah, you see it. But uh, right. playoffs, definitely a different beast. Is there, uh, the way that you've seen out in the West, there's not necessarily a favorite. Those two teams are about as evenly split as it gets between San Jose and St. Louis, oh. in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um Really, like, I love, you know, both of them have, the, we use this word culture, and I get it that it's hard to define, but I'm really big on San Jose and what they have, like, 
how young players, you know, a guy like Couture came in underneath of Pavelski and Marlowe and Thornton, and those guys know how to play, and they obviously know how to get deep in the playoffs a lot. I get it. They haven't won the Cup, but they're a really good program in San Jose. And then underneath him, then along came Hurdle. You know, then along came Timo Meyer, and now Couture is the one that's showing how it's done. And Pav's still there, and Thornton is, Marlowe's gone, but Thornton's still there. Um, now Brent Burns is part of that culture. Like, mm-hmm. we're talking about all these guys that keep bringing into Edmonton over all these years to try to establish a culture. Well, San Jose grew their own. Boston grew their own. You know, Bergeron and Chara, and then in came the Pasternaks, right? And in now Jake DeBrusque is coming in, and they just have such a good, you know, Detroit had that culture in their day. So San Jose knows how to win. It's passed on like the old Canadian saying, right, from failing hands we pass the torch. Uh, I love that San Jose program. I'd like to see him win something, a cup one day. I think they're very deserving, Brendan, right? They've been there a long time. Absolutely. They're deserving of a ring in San Jose. Yeah, and it would be a shame to see Thornton have to retire without one. Yeah, right. I agree with you. And same with Pavelski. Like, he's a great player. You know, Pavelski's one of the best players. And now we're watching Logan Couture. I laughed. Someone in the East said, Couture is emerging as a really good playoff player. And I was like, oh, no, he's not. <laughs> right? He's been yeah, a really good been, playoff well, player for a long around. time. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Spec, we better put a bow on it here. But uh, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with that me. That's a fast afternoon. hour, man. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, are you off anywhere or do you get some time off now? No, I'm, uh, I'm off, I think. Uh, I don't think we're doing the final, so I'll probably I'm sure hoping to be at the draft. That's a great place to be. There you go. And uh, we'll know who the coach is uh, long before then. Long before then, let's hope. Yeah. And then free agency, and then uh, a little summertime. All right, Spec, we'll check in next Tuesday. All right, thanks, Brendan. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And then on the other side of that, we'll check in with Mike Ringrose, the head coach of the McEwen University men's hockey team. They're making the jump to Canada West, not this upcoming year, but the following one. What does that mean from the program? Stick around, find out. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.